Hey, Deep Divers, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to episode four of the Deep Dive. Just a disclaimer, some technical difficulties took place, and unfortunately, we have lost the video of this episode, but the audio is still rich in content, and although our, you know, you can't see us physically. Um, you will, we will not be silenced, um, especially around the topic of Black Lives Matter and the trauma that will um, Black women um, deal with in society. So thank you for tuning in. The content is so important that even though we lost the visual, um, we still wanted to share this episode with you. So we hope this is a conversation starter um, for your household. And please comment, like, subscribe. And we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Deep Dive. I'm Kay, and this is... E. All right. Today in our um, conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a lot of the things that we've seen in our world in terms of um, the injustice with Black lives and um, systemic and institutionalized racism. We just felt that it was very important as two Black women to not only speak on our perspective of the issue, but also to honor like what is happening and um, really speak up and have a voice um, with that. So a lot of our conversation today is going to be centered around that, and you'll, we'll be deep diving into that a little bit more on today's topic. All right, awesome. So um, Droid Floyd, Ahmaud Avery, Frederick Gray, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile, Michael Brown, and Eric Garner have all become household names. But what about Kayla Moore, Rakia Boyd, Natasha McKenna, Tanisha Anderson, Pamela Turner, or Chantel Davis? These unarmed Black women died at the hands of police officers, but their deaths received neither the same media attention nor widespread public rage as seen most recently in current demonstrations. The lack of palpable concern for Black women has not gone unnoticed by Black women. The experience of Black women with police brutality is lost in the national conversation. While Black men are indeed at a higher risk of dying at the hands of police, Black women are increasingly being stopped by police and experience physical assault, sexual violence, and death at rates that contradict media coverage of the issue. A 2018 study showed that nearly 60% of black women killed by police were unarmed during the incident. Police violence against black people is a collective experience. And we have to be intentional about lifting up the stories and experiences of all members of our black community. Black women are more likely than any other racial or gender group to go unrecognized or in unheard because we live at the intersection between two marginalized groups. When society challenges sexism, it's typically centered around white women experiences. When race is at the table, the discussion is frequently centered around black men. So today's conversation is to bring light to the experience of being a black woman in America because we can no longer be invisible. So with that, how you doing sis? What has the past few weeks been like for you? Yes, um, so, whew, all right. Um, okay, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, at one point, so when all of this, um, the most recent events of um, racial, racial injustice in terms of like Black Lives Matter and um, the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Taylor and um, um, Ahmad, like, you know, Aubrey, like that's honestly, um, it was my birthday, my birthday week. Um, and I purposefully pushed it to the back. Because I was like, I can't plug into this right now. I need to plug into celebration. I need to plug into joy, happiness. I'm going to be 29. I need to plug into like all of that. Um, so birthday came and gone. And then the weekend hit and I needed to plug in. Because I was like, I really need to see what's happening. And like really um, take on, like not take on, but just really like be, see what's happening. Um, so I'm on Instagram and I promise you it was probably like for hours at this point and my heart was broken, absolutely broken. I, um, cried a lot. I felt the need. The first thing I felt, I always feel this way when this happens. The first thing I feel is why don't they like us? Like what? I just don't understand. Why, why is the hate so real that you have to kneel on a man's neck? for eight whole minutes or 
plus. Like, why is it that real? Like, why is they and 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 to do it casually? Because I feel like not a lot of people are talking about how casual he nailed with his hand in his pocket, chilling. Like, yeah, I'm just on a black man's neck, whatever. Like, why do you hate us so much? It's just so easy for you to do that. So the anger came. And then I was heartbroken by my community. Like, I just feel like we're like, not feel like I know that as a black community, we are just phenomenal people. Like, I mean, like, where would the United States be without us? Let's be 100% real. They steal everything from us and we still reinvent. We still reinvent. We're like, I, you want that? Cool. Go ahead. We're going to reinvent this. And then it's popping. And then they want that too. And then it's popping and they want something else. It's crazy. Like, the fabric of America wouldn't be America without the black and brown skin. Um, so it broke my heart just to be like, dang, we really still doing this. We're really still out here. Um, and the, after the anger, I just, I, um, as you know, a Christian woman, I just like thought about God and I thought about like, we need you. Like we need you not to say like where you, where you at, because I know he's here. I know God is around. I know he's seen, I know he is, you know, he's seeing he's amongst us or whatever um but i was just like where are you we're broken we need you our hearts hurt my heart hurts like this hurts this really really hurts it hurts to feel hated for no reason it hurts to feel hated for the color of my skin it hurt it hurts um so i thought a lot about that and then a, a gospel song came into my head and i just posted with the gospel song on the back in the background just to say like like this sucks, but just know that at the end of the day, God is going to get victory out of this, even though it doesn't feel like it. And not to dis- dim- dismiss or diminish the feelings and the pain of our Black community, um, but I just, in the moment, felt more like inspiring, encouraging, uplifting. I went to work on Monday, and that's the same approach I took. I emailed my team. I'm a dean of instruction at a school. Um, I emailed my team first thing in the morning to just empower them and remind them, like, you're in front of Black and Brown kids virtually. I stand before you, but you stand before them. And I just want to thank you for the work that you do. I want to thank you for affirming our Black and Brown babies, for reminding them that they matter, like, all of that. I had to let them know um, where I stood on the issue as their leader and that I I'm rocking with them full time. And like, I just felt more in the space of encouragement, encouraging my um, team, encouraging my peers, my friends, even you, Esther, like I know we watched church together on Sunday and, you know, at the end of it, you felt like you felt you had a feeling um, about it, but my feeling was more like empowerment and coming together and all that stuff. Um, Later on in the week, that shifted, which I will talk a little bit more about later on, but my initial feelings were just heartbreak, anger, and then ended up being inspiration and empowerment. And like, how can I lift my black people up? Like, how can I amplify black voices for all to see? Um, especially in my role as a school leader, like how can I amplify the voices of my black teachers and my black and brown kids that I teach, um, that they teach um, and that I've once taught. So that's kind of where my feelings lie right now. No, that's that's real. I mean, I can I can understand all of that. I mean, I know for me, um, very heavy week. Like it was, I think like yesterday's the first day I actually started to feel. I mean, I don't know if I was gonna say okay because it's like, what does that really mean? But like a normal, I guess. Um, but definitely a very heavy week. Like, yeah, after church on Sunday, I was really uneasy, like so yeah. uneasy. And church had a powerful and great message. I think for me, it was like the, because when it comes to this conversation, it's not a one shoe size fits all approach. Like it's really like, yes, and, and I think for me, the messaging in church was like one part, but the systemic aspect of the conversation was missing. And so I was really struggling with that piece. Cause I think like, um, yeah, I mean, for me, the heaviness feelings comes from that, you know, like, I didn't watch the video, because I just, I just can't, like, for my own mental health, I cannot, and and will not, I, I've done, after Philander Castile, I said to yes. myself, I will oh my never, God. ever watch one of those videos again, because yes. I can't, mm-hmm. at the same time, I still read articles, and I still knew what was going on, and just, um, it's just tough. And so it's like, on one hand, it's like, there's that. And then the other piece of it is that like being black in this country and then being a black woman in this country is 
hard as hell. Like it is so difficult and I am just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like it is not just about this situation. It is just a collective of situations from the small ones like the Central Park situation to things like the police brutality. I am so tired and over it. Like, and I think to what is hard for me is that a lot of people still think that racism is purely just calling somebody a racial slur or when you tell somebody they're racist, they're like, oh, I'm not racist. Why? Because they didn't call you a racial slur or they're not a member of the KKK. I mean, as far as you know, right? (laughs) Um, But like, that's how a lot of people just kind of think of it as, and it's like, that is one part of racism but the systemic and institutional racism that shows up in our lives in institutions and society from like wealth gap employment housing discrimination um incarcerations infant um infant mortality like all these different things are extremely real and we operate and live and work in these systems every single day and the trauma that it takes on you as a being as a person to have to deal with that all the time is exhausting so then on top of that to have somebody so callously and so evil and vile execute a man in public in that way it was just like yo my soul just cannot like after church i literally spent i want to say like almost five hours praise and worshiping just to try to reset my soul. Like mm-hmm. I even earlier today attended a meditation, like healing thing. Like it was, um, I forgot the name of it, but it was like a healing meditation thing to just like restore my soul because I think my soul is just so sad. Mm-hmm. And the part that really broke it for me is not just the collective of it all, but also just to know that that man spent his last moments crying for his mother Mm -hmm. that like messed me up and all I could think was yo thank god his mom is dead because if she was alive like how do you how do you how do you survive that like how do you come back as the mom yeah I don't know so yeah I still have to say that like I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Like change needs to come and change needs to come now. And I can't keep doing this. I really can't. Yeah. I feel you. I completely agree with you. So, um, one of the things, you know, we wanted to highlight in this conversation because I see this all over social media, you know, you say black lives matter and here comes somebody with the hashtag all lives matter or hashtag blue lives matter. And we really just wanted to take a moment to just highlight why we say Black Lives Matter. What people don't know is that, okay, for those of you who may not be aware, the whole hashtag Black Lives Matter started in 2013 after Mm -hmm. the acquittal of um, George Zimmerman for the murder of Trayvon, uh, for murdering Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. And it was created to highlight and speak out against police brutality and systemic racism that causes deaths like George Floyd and Mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor. So Black Lives Matter is not to say that blue lives don't matter or that all lives don't matter. It's just saying that, hey, this population, Black lives, right now needs to focus to be on them. It's literally like showing up to the AIDS walk and be like, hey, breast cancer matters. Who said all diseases didn't matter? All diseases right, matter. Exactly. But today we're highlighting AIDS. So that's why we're walking to raise money for AIDS. It's really just that simple. Now the pop-up, the mm-hmm. hashtag, say her name is, you know, becoming more and more popular. And people also don't understand why people are saying hashtag say her name and why that's different from Black Lives Matter. Right. Yep. And honestly, the only difference, it's the same thing. It's just, the, it was created to raise awareness about the number of women and girls who are also mm-hmm. killed by mm-hmm. law enforcement like at the beginning of this mm-hmm. episode i talked about how the media doesn't cover the killings of black women at the same level that black men mm-hmm. do and even mm-hmm. with that black men still there's so many cases that go unheard and unreported right. so we always are fighting to be seen and be heard even in death 
Right, right, exactly. So that's the only difference. So the the, the mm-hmm. hashtag was created so we can also highlight these women. Right, exactly. Um, it's not to diminish the black like the Black Lives Matter movement either. It's just as Esther was mentioning, like there is a population that is being unseen. So we need to hashtag and bring awareness um, through these movements, that population of people. And in this case, with the Say Her Name movement, that's women. Yes, Black Lives Matter. And women's li- women, Black women's lives matter too. And we, we see all too often that after we hear a story about a Black woman who has been, um, you know, has died at the hands of the police, um, we no longer, it kind of like, it comes up in the news. We say her name like the first couple of days and then, we don't say her name anymore. And then a black man dies and we're saying his name forever. And like both are, are important. We need to say his name and say her name, but we cannot forget to say her name. So that is one of those things. Like it's a part of the movement to remember to say her name, just like how black lives matter. We have to remember to say the names of the women who are not getting as much um, coverage or not being seen. Like Esther mentioned, even in death. And you know, what's, what's ironic is that the black lives movement um, Black Lives Matter movement was started by three women. So mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting that it was started by three women to uplift our Black men. And I just think it's interesting that even with that, um, three women creating the hashtag in the movement, we still then had to create a separate hashtag to highlight women. So like we're saying, like, you know, we just wanted to first start the conversation by highlighting those two things because... You I- know, also, really quickly, I know you gave an example, um, too, about um, why Black Lives Matter instead yeah. of All Lives Matter. Um, I've seen, and I'm sure many of y'all have seen this, too, the um, example of the houses where, like, someone would be, like, there's a house on fire, like, blazing, and everybody's like, but all house mat- houses matter. Yeah, all houses do matter. We get that, duh. But this house is on fire. And that's another way to think about it. But this is highlighting the issue that is on fire. All houses right now are not on fire. All lives are not on fire. The lives that are constantly being taken at the hands of police and racial injustice are black lives. And it's not to say that nobody else matters. It's not what's happening here. But what needs to be highlighted is the house on fire. What needs to be highlighted is the race on fire. And that's exactly what it is. So that's why... It's Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. I watched a um, quick uh, clip of a sermon. I don't know the guy's name, but I know he was saying, like, anyone with a functioning brain knows that all lives matter. Like, duh. Oh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Like, so yeah, like, yeah. duh. Like, obviously, like, I mean, you, I don't know what kind of human you'd be if you didn't think all lives matter, duh. But at the time and in history, we're seeing that it it is apparent that black lives don't. So it's one of those things like all lives can't matter until black black lives matter, because if all lives do matter, then you need to consider the black life. So a hundred percent. And that's like, literally, it's really that simple. It is literally that simple. Like earlier I was texting with one of my friends and she was saying that basically her, um, coworker had like called out in the beginning of the week. Um, and the reason being that, like, she, she literally said to her supervisor, I can't breathe. That's, that's valid. Supervisor had no understanding for what that meant. Right. And so the call. Co- thought it was COVID. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw that out there because that's, that's actually another that, I mean, we can talk about that a little later, but in the midst of this, there's a pandemic that affects black lives. But we'll About 100%. And yeah. so she had to have it explained to her why, like, because all the black coworkers understood immediately what that meant, but right. it had to be explained to her why this person was calling out and taking, like, a mental health day. And then it just leads me to, which is, like, a point I made earlier, is that, like, this, yes, the situation of um, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd are, like, horrible like they're horrible and inhumane and this is just a collective of incidents so like there is an emotional toll of being black in this country there is an emotional toll of being a black woman in this country and a lot of times that the thing we we don't talk about it we talk about it amongst each other yeah amongst black women (laughs) yes and black men and like with black people we talk about it all the time yeah however we don't always talk about it and highlight it to our um 
peers and coworkers who are not of the same race. And so that experience becomes invisible and also because of how we are forgotten in media and not properly highlighted and often stereotyped, even when we do talk about it, it still goes unnoticed. And so part right. of the conversation today is to highlight the trauma and the everyday instances we constantly have to battle and the toll that it takes on your health, your mind, and your spirit. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, to your point, Esther, like, I, I was watching, I forgot what it was. I don't know if it was a sermon if I was reading a book or a talk, but I um, was watching something about how um, the pain and the trauma of our ancestors it travels and how like even today we still feel that pain. We carry that in the fiber of our being and like um, even if it's, it's generational, it's actually from your ancestors back in the day that carry that, um, weight, that trauma, that pain, that hurt. And like, it becomes a part of our fiber as being melanated people. And I think that's very important to just like, you know, bring up that, like the, that ties to like the emotional toll that we feel like it's not for no reason. It's not just because of what you see. You physically ache. You physically feel sick to your stomach. You physically like can't breathe. And it's literally like the emotional toll and the fibers of our body and our being that come out, especially when we see this injustice over and over and over again. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I also want to say this to all my fellow West Indian Caribbean people. Yes. When we say Black Lives Matter, when we say hashtag say her name, you are included in that. We are not separate because this is something that is true. And, you know, that could be a whole other set of topic for another day. Yeah. But sometimes some, you, if you know who I'm talking about, it could be your yeah. mama, yourself included, listening. But like, there's a separation that some people, some Caribbean, West Indian people like to do when it comes to themselves and um, African Americans. No, when we walk outside, we are all black, black. period, in a story. Black. That's so it. They're not like, oh, oh, you're Jamaican. I'm not going to shoot you at the stoplight. No. What? The only difference is that the boat stopped in different islands. The end. That's it. That's it. And so I just wanted to quickly highlight that. And also, um, so I spent the first the past five years doing like race equity work and doing different workshops and trainings. And when I say like the stories that people share were so powerful but like the, 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 um, physical toll, like the health, um, you know, there's a term that was coined in the 1970s called weather, weather rising to, um, explain this concept, but like people literally become sick from dealing with everyday mm -hmm. institutional systemic interpersonal mm -hmm. racism. Like I have people share in our workshops that they got alopecia, heart disease, stress, hair, like literally high blood pressure. Yeah, yeah. One person shared, this one woman had a stroke from My dealing God. with this every single day in her job. And she never had a space to talk about it. So the mm -hmm. experience is something that she never talked about. And she suppressed all of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to cover the whole, you know, you don't want to come off like the angry black man or the angry black woman thing. So when you don't talk about it and you don't deal with it and then it takes that toll on you, your health suffers. Yeah. This is the experiences that people don't get to see. Mm -hmm. The that it literally, when we say it hurts, it's not just the emotional hurts, but it literally hurts you, Your physical body, yeah. Horrible. Mm -hmm. when yeah. She, when she shared that she had a stroke from this, like... It took everything in me not to cry. That is not okay. This woman was like, had to be in what, like her 30s, 40s? Oh my Lord. Wow. That, yeah, that's not okay. Um, like, I think I wouldn't say like mid 40s or whatever, but either way, just regardless, like, that's still like, it's actually to not have, to have a justifiable. Like, right. To have a stroke, I mean, regardless of having a stroke, is terrible. Yeah. But to have a stroke that's induced by trauma, like, oh my God, like, your brain just can't take it. Like, that's just, that's too much to just take in. And No, I mean, you're like, right. I know, like, um, and I don't know, like, looking back, I mean, some of it could have been very racial. I know a lot of it was, like, um, 
like harassment. I remember I had a job where um, because of like, you know, how clothes fit me and my body, whatever the case may be, I dealt mm-hmm. with like a lot of stress in that position. And I had other friends who was dealing with the same, the place was just super toxic. Right. And a lot, and you know, now I'm thinking about it. A lot of the women who faced that kind of discrimination and judgment were all black. And I remember literally having to quit my job. Like this was like the best I've ever been paid in a position. Like I was like, for my, for my age, I was like, yes, but the environment was so toxic and so nasty that I remember literally one day calling you, Carrie, oh, yeah, on yeah. the phone because I was having a panic attack. And you, you literally couldn't breathe. Literally having a panic attack about mm-hmm. having to step into work. I loved the job, loved the work that I was doing, but the idea of having to be in that environment for another day literally caused me to lose it. And... That is something that, like, how do you explain that? How do you compromise that? How do you justify that to yourself that your mental health gets compromised for a paycheck? Listen. But at the same time, is that, like, yo, not everybody can just say, you know, I I walked away and quit, but at the end of the day, that's not a realistic situation. That's not a reality for everyone. No, No. people have responsibilities, kids and mortgages and rent. Like you have to think about your livelihood. But at the same time is if you die because of the stress of all of this, yeah. what happens? To, like it's, it's just an impossible situation to win in, to win. Um, at, but that's something that people literally grapple with every single day, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. single day. Yeah. And I want to speak to being women and how, I'm actually reading, I was, I'm like in the middle of finishing a book that Esther actually um, put me onto. And there's a part in it that talks about like the strong black woman. And I want to speak to this. Um, I think when we think about these situations, too many times as women, we are the strong black woman. We feel like we got to hold it together. We're the ones that hold our families together. A lot of people will say like, my grandmother, my mother was the rock yeah. of the family. How many times you heard that? Like, let's be real. Uh, literally, when I think of my <laughs> mothers, that's literally like my grandmother. Who Mine too. Away, Mine too. Li- she was literally the, this, like in the dictionary, she's right next to the <laughs> strong. There's a rock and all, and all the grandmothers are there, <laughs> like in the dictionary, like seriously. But no, like, that's what I mean. And like, even like when I think about my grandmother, she didn't express a lot of trauma or pain or whatever she was feeling. She didn't do that. She just held it all in and pushed through, pushed through, pushed through. And I feel like when we're talking a little bit about the trauma of being black, especially when we think about like Black Lives Matter, we think about say her name, we think about everything that's happening. Too often as black women, we are... um almost like expected to take on this like strong black woman persona and like I just want to say to the black women out there um that it is okay to not be that woman and not just today it is okay to not be that strong black woman I know what your family said I know what you've seen mama do what you've seen grandma do auntie do I know what you've seen because I've seen it too but it is 100% okay to say I'm not okay as a black woman and I am not the strong black woman today it is okay, it's okay to say to that. Not be okay. Yeah, it's okay to not be okay as a black woman. And I'm, when I'm, I'm speaking specifically to black women, because like there's a difference between not being okay as a black man and not being okay as a black woman. Because a black woman would be like, yeah, I'm okay, yeah, I'm good, yeah. No, but if you're Caribbean, if you're Caribbean, oh yes, if you're Caribbean, forget about it. How you doing? You know, you know that your grandpa, you know, or someone just passed away in your family. Grandma, how you doing? I'm okay. I'm good what girl if you don't cry if you don't break down and let us know that you are hurting and be vulnerable the definition of being like a male provider is very different yeah in america so like literally the women are really the ones who yeah they're holding it down and like and what the thing too that people don't realize is that when we fight when we talk about fighting the patriarchy for white women that they're talking about fighting white men for black women, we're not only talking about fighting white men, but we're also talking about fighting black men. And on top of that, our role as black women is to also protect and uplift our black men. So right. we are bad. Perfect. This is a perfect example with with like the George Floyd situation, right? That like 
it is almost an expectation that like we lift our men and we're going to always lift our men, right? We're going to always do that without fail. We always lift our men. Absolutely. I do have a calling and a question and a challenge for the black men who are watching. Where are the black men uplifting the black women? When I mean that, not to say that you're not, I mean like, where are the black men saying her name? Everyone that I know that has posted Brianna has been a woman. Really? Yeah, for I the most part, yeah. To that, but now I'm like, yeah, for the or let me say, for the most part, yeah. I don't really know of any men that have posted Brianna. To be honest, like not like I'm actually thinking about it. Like no, but if there are men, it's not enough men. But you will have a rally of women in them streets talking about Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, like really going ham for like all of our black men and black boys, and like you know we're gonna always do that for you because that's how we are. Um, that's just that's who we are as as women and black women as a people. But just it's just a calling. It's not it's not to like criticize or like you know anything like that. It's just a calling that if you are a black man or if you know a black man who is out there um who you realize have not said her name, like please just challenge and push them to like really speak up on the behalf of um the women who have lost their lives to police brutality or the women who are losing their lives to injustice. Because I think like we're just so good at holding our black men down and we don't always see a reciprocal. Not to say that we never we don't always see a reciprocal and we don't always see a reciprocal in large numbers. The way you see women going hard from black men in large numbers we don't always see black men going hard for women in large numbers that's you know it's interesting you say that because like yesterday so carrie and i yesterday we sat in this Mm -hmm. amazing zoom oh my gosh and it was shout out to shout out to um therapy for black girls i just want to put that out there if you guys have not followed them on instagram please do um i don't know her last name but i know it's dr joy um you can even click on her website and she has like a list of like black therapists in your area just type in your zip code and you can find therapists i found my therapist um through um therapy for black girls so i just wanted to put that out there like get on that no and that, that that's really important and um i think too that like what they did yesterday is they put together um the zoom call and the zoom yep. call had um it was for black women specifically to yep. talk about the recent things that's been going on and how we're coping and how we're feeling and it was literally 300 women and 300 i've never seen no, me either. That. i mean never. my heart was like wow was so amazing like i felt that's what really helped me with this week because it like uplifted me so much but one of the one of the women who was talking said that like yo as black women we're always uplifting our men and always um being the strong ones but who's uplifting us i was like whoa and not to say that our black men don't uplift us because that is not that we we're not generalizing right now like that is not the case it is more about the sense of that like because it is like um like it's been our role since the beginning of time since times literally to play that role for our men that Mm -hmm. sometimes as black women we don't know how to just like carrie was saying say we're not okay and we yeah. need to put that vulnerability and um you know even like you know going to therapy which is a whole other episode we're gonna do oh, about yeah. black, <laughs> black people in therapy but like we just we don't always showcase to our men and to our partners and to our friends and people around us that we are struggling because yeah. we like if we're not strong somehow we're failing our families and ourselves Mm-hmm. And so it's not because that there's nobody there to uplift us. It's just sometimes we just don't know how to put that hand out there to say, "Hey, I'm yeah. not and I need help." And so it's really important that we do that, especially during times like these. Mm-hmm. And you never want to get to the point where it's taking such a toll, and the trauma is so deep that it literally impacts your health, or right. you know, or kills you. Like it's just yeah, everything we're experiencing right now. Some people might be more on the okay side than not, like more on the side of post-stress. Yeah, or numbing themselves. And I promise you, what you don't feel right now, you will feel later. And when I mean later, I mean like, God forbid, during the next incident, God forbid, or years on the line when you are dealing with, you know, head-on like um, systemic oppression and racism, like at your workplace or whatever the case may be. So anxiety is one of those things that like, 
you don't always feel it in the moment. Sometimes you do, but sometimes it comes later on. So just like, I mean, we'll get into all that when we talk more about like therapy and stuff like that. But I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. And also too, like whatever emotion you're feeling, like we just have to be okay expressing it. And that also speaks to anger. So with, as being a black woman, we spent a lot of time suppressing our anger around white people specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Because of trying to make white people feel quote unquote comfortable because we hate the stereotype of the angry black women. I mean, mm-hmm. the same thing goes for men too, because anytime a man gets angry, then he's perceived with the stereotype of being violent and so aggressive. Like, yep. So we just hate the stereotype because just like anybody else is allowed to have human emotion of anger, so are we. And we spend a lot of time suppressing that anger. And that's also not healthy because that also takes a toll too, because literally this stuff hurts. And of course it angers you. Like, and I'm not just talking about the police brutality. I'm talking about the everyday incidences of like going to work. Like I had a neighbor, I don't live there anymore, but my former neighbor, oh my gosh, she was right. Like when I say, yo, she right there in the dictionary next to red racist. Okay, like as in calling mm. black people the C word racist rhymes with moon in case it didn't click for you. Okay. Mm. And this lady was so racist and it literally used to average at at uh, aggravate me to go home. Like after dealing with doing race equity work and training and dealing with all these different emotions and comments, the last thing I want to do is enter my building and have to deal with a racist. No, I want to be able to go home and decompress and be able to be okay. But then if you go out and you express that rage, then you become the violent one. Black woman, the angry black family, like all of that. And they need to fear you. And then the police gets weaponized against you. And so we spend so much time having to suppress simple things like that. Like I think even of like Serena Williams, I think it was like last year or two years ago playing tennis. She lost, she got frustrated because she was like losing or like something happened within the game and she like expressed her rage and smashed um, her racket and it became this whole thing. Oh, that's so unprofessional. That's this and that. Meanwhile, they had Mac clips of white men, white women doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, Part of this, um, highlighting this is one, to make everybody aware that this is one of the experiences that Black women have to suppress and hide all the time. But two, Black women, it is okay to be angry. It is your yep. And there's a lot of things we got to deal with that make you angry. And expressing that rage and saying, I'm angry, is okay. I'm not, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying to anybody to be violent. So let's, let's not confuse the two. Right. So expressing anger is okay it is what it is because if a white woman can get angry i can get angry too i mean i think about like work situations right like i've you know seen white like co-workers express like to their supervisors yell and be disrespectful and then mm-hmm. cry about it and it's okay the minute i expressed a little bit of passion not even anger passion <laughs> you need to calm down like what like seriously seriously if it's unprofessional then it should be unprofessional for everybody for everybody there's just an idea of professionalism that is white and does not include black people because my again for the people in the back the definition of professionalism is white because i mean same thing like it's there's point I say it one way, the white person says another way. I'm aggressive and the angry black girl who is in her feelings and pa- and they don't see my passion. But the white girl is just like she cares a lot about the issues. About this, you're also highlighting code switching because literally the way uh-huh. we look with that, that is, that is like switching. that's yes, that's how code switching was born. Like let's be yeah. real, yeah, it was born out of realizing that like oh, so the way. Becky did it. I Carrie can't do it, so I gotta go. 
Hi, yeah, so my name is Carisha. How are you? Okay, cool. But with Esther, I'm like, yo, what's up, girl? How you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So like how we talk and hang out with each other is completely different than oh how my gosh, we yes. engage white people, especially in professional settings. And that is just a fact. I'm sorry. And not once again, I'm not generalizing because that's not the truth for everybody. And I've met people who can, you know, who don't do that, and that's great. I, I have I don't have that luxury in my professional settings to do that. In my professional settings, I do have to code switch all the time, especially with me having an accent. Lord Jesus. Girl, you better <laughs> listen. <laughs> like, yo, know, my like, intelligence, honestly, honestly, my intelligence is all the time questioned bec- the minute I open my mouth. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Forget that I have a master's and I got a bachelor's and I work my ass off for them. The minute I open my mouth because I have an accent, it's like, it's like, you, like who mm, is there validity in what she's saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so that's like a whole other piece to it. But like, we literally spend time. Like, okay, so the other day I was reading this article. Um, Jay actually wrote it right, and in the beginning he says, "I have spent the past forty years of my like I've been on this earth for forty years and I've never known what it's like to be free." Mm-hmm. and not just free as in like the definition of free like as in being able to just let yourself fully be mm-hmm. and truly yourself wherever you go and yeah. that is something that black people can relate to so much because I'm the same way like I have to always be mindful of my environment we go to a restaurant you got to try to make sure you're not the loud black people in the restaurant you oh my go- god Yo, you're always restraining yourself because you want to make sure that you're not threatening and you're not, you know, the, you know, ghetto or whatever the case may be. And you're trying to always maintain a level of safety, not for ourselves, for white people around us. And so you never get to just truly be your full self. Mm -hmm. Because you're afraid of just that. Con- that assumption or stereotype that's going to be made about you oh they ghetto they loud they this they that so you're just like oh we too loud y'all i, I remember doing that in <laughs> at brunch and stuff when you have too many drinks and you're all excited and you're like yeah da, 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 da. and they're like oh shoot they looking hold on we got to bring it down unfortunate highly unfortunate like why you're right we have we can never just be like, it is so sad the yeah. stuff we got to go to through and one of the things is like literally um as black people and as black women, we need to start taking off the mask. Like we need to take off the mask because we put on the mask to protect ourselves and yeah, we do. work settings, but really it's clearly not working because it's impacting us with stress and health. And, you know, even with us not wanting to stay in environments, this is the, the, the thing is that like, and this is one or one of the things we always say to them is that, you are sitting here putting the onus on us and why we're not coming through your doors instead of asking yourself, why is it that people are not walking in? Why don't people want to work here? Why don't people want to be on my board? Why don't people want to like, and the thing is, it's not for lack of aspiration because we have aspirations to be in leadership as people of color, like yes. cases and yeah. be on board positions. But the problem is that we don't want to get in there and be your tokenized black person. We don't want to get in there and have to suppress and mask ourselves. We don't want to get in there and be gaslighted. We don't want to be in, in there and have to deal with microaggressions. We don't want to have to just go in another space to deal with that because we have to deal with that every single place. Every day. Every single day, Every day, we wake up and step outside our house. You just don't know what kind of day you're going to have. So okay. at the end of the day, it's like, you want us at the table. We want to be at the table too, but you got to be willing to do your work to make sure that your environment is like inclusive, equitable, and then we'll come in the door because people always want to say diversity, 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 diversity means nothing. That is safe. That is optics okay we can all be diverse in a room and that means nothing but do i feel valued here is my voice important do you want to actually hear what i gotta say do you want to be challenged Do you want to actually talk about race equity and why the system is racist do you want to actually solve these issues do you want to create a space that is inclusive for everybody no then you don't need you don't want diversity okay you don't want diversity yeah because it's more than just that pretty little word that you just slap on a mission statement. It's very important 
that if the statement is going to be put out there that you're living up to that statement wholeheartedly and not just the part that sounds nice because diversity sounds nice. Um, but we want to also make sure that we're whatever organization it is, you want to make sure that you're actually diverse. So your board needs to be diverse. The things you do need to be diverse. The conversations, and the topics that you have also need to reflect that. If you're an anti-racist group, then that means the practices of your school, of your whatever, like your your day-to-day practices, not what's written in that beautiful little, yep. um, your policies need to yeah, reflect everything it. has to be yep. anti-racist. Yeah, because it sounds nice. Let's be real. Like, it sounds beautiful, but it's until you're like in the everyday, you're like, oh, you don't realize Each that. One can it, write a statement, but yes. are you living and breathing the action? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like what's happening now with like the, the businesses that are taking a stand, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that some of y'all may have seen like Jackie Ina's call for, you know, businesses to kind of reveal who their board is and things like that. So it's like, all right, for example, Fashion Nova, just random example, they can put out a statement and say like, you know, we stand in solidarity, here's what we're doing. And then you never see who these people are and how diverse they are. Even more than that, if you uh, listen, I love, I like fashion over. So don't get me wrong. I do. That's what I say. It's just an example. At the same time, something that occurred to me recently was like, wait a minute. I scroll on that page all the time. Where are the black models? Because all these models are, you don't even know what they are. Really. Don't get me wrong. There's some, there's some black, okay, brown. Let me say brown. Dark There's brown skin. models, but when I mean like that, Jackie, Ina looking, milky, dark skin, where they see them? And then too, you're like, you're right. You don't know what their board looks like. You don't know what their leadership team looks like. You don't even know what their staff. But what is there? They stand in solidarity. Yo, no, I need it to be more. Than <laughs> we need it more to be than a statement because yes. People, so because the thing is, if you ask most people. Are you racist? They're going to say no once again because people think yeah. this is just. Who's gonna say yes? Come on, y'all, really? You know, racial slur, whatever the case may be. I I didn't call you a racial slur, and I'm not a member of the KKK, so no, I'm not racist. Okay, but then if you ask somebody, or or I got I got a, I have a black friend. I have a black friend. I'm not girl, racist. Bye. That is a form <laughs> of gaslighting that pisses me off. So like, don't even get me started on that. But like, if you are not racist. And then you ask somebody, that same person, are you anti-racist? And anti-racist is not a, a, um, just like a word. It's literally, are you every single day practicing it's a verb. action steps? Yes. It's a verb. Be anti-racist. Most people are going to say no. So if you're not racist and you're not anti-racist, then what the hell are you? <laughs> There's no in-betweens, just to put it out there. There isn't any in-between. So Pick a side. Pick a side. Seriously. Seriously, and at the end of the day, and this also goes for Black people, is because we operate and live in systems that are, and institutions that are inherently racist, we are agents in that system. So even as a person of color, I can be doing things every single day that is racist towards my own kind. And you may not even realize that you're doing it. So we have to really tap in and pay attention. Like there are policies and procedures that have been created from like years ago and nobody questioned. Like we really need to start asking ourselves like when we're doing programs and when we're, um, you know, servicing kids or whoever it is that is your community that you're serving or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, who's not at the table when we're making decisions? Yeah, right. Right. Like, whose voices are not being heard? Like, mm-hmm. when we're, like, are we only inviting Black people to the table when we want to hear about the Black perspective? Because right. I can offer more insight than that. Please do not tokenize me. Right. Right. Do not diminish, diminish what I'm saying about when I talk about my experience. Because that's the thing, too, is like, we as Black people need to highlight our experiences. But when we do, white people, y'all need to just listen. You cannot. This diminish what I'm saying. You cannot change the subject. You cannot trivialize and minimize it. Do not gaslight me because at the end of the day, those are my lived experiences. Just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean what I'm saying is not true. I don't need to get hit by a car to know that somebody who just dead is in pain and be able to say, yo, I know you're hurting because I, I, like, I heard you got hit by a car, so I know you must be in pain. I don't know what that's like, but 
you know, let's talk about it. I mean, that's a stupid example, but like really yeah. what I'm saying. No, is, it's actually a really good example. <laughs> you know, don't. It's actually a really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, dis- don't diminish people's experiences because they're not your own. Like empathy goes a long way. And then even like the um, microaggressions that come with all of this stuff. And like, or my favorite one, when I see you, I don't see color. Please see me. I am a black woman. I am Haitian. Like, I have an accent. See me. Because when you tell me you don't see color, you're basically telling me you don't see me, okay? Unless you are colorblind, you see color, okay? It is not a bad right. thing. My diversity is my strength. You may not see it that way, but I see it that way. That is what makes me special and unique. Thank you very much. I'm black and proud. You're right. Like, if you are colorblind, you don't see me. And, like, I just want to speak to this one thing, though. There's some people black people who say that who say that and like what i think they mean is that they love all people all humanity they 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 don't see color as in they don't look at the white person and say oh you're white like or like they don't discriminate because of the color of their of the person's skin so esther you can like please speak to this because i i wonder if is that a bad thing? Is that is that a wrong thing to be a black person and say I don't see color? Um, not meaning you don't see color, like you don't see the black person, the brown skin mm-hmm. person, but meaning like I don't see colors. And like when I first operate with my, like when I first see people, I'm operating out of love, I'm operating out of grace, I'm operating out of humanity. I don't see you as white to discriminate you. I don't see you as black to discriminate you or as Indian or Asian or whatever. I see humanity. I treat you with the respect of just you being a human being. So can we actually just quickly talk to that because some people black people people of color i do know do say that comment right there yeah yeah this is the thing right the the concept of colorblindness is from the most like purest well-intentioned place right the problem is that our nation was built on white supremacy and black oppression right that is an undeniable fact of our world and so until systemic racism institutional racism and black people and people of color period are treated at the same fairness level as white people mm-hmm. when you say you don't see it that's why we're able to mm-hmm. in 20 still have hashtags to highlight the fact that this is an issue but to highlight the color like black lives you don't yeah. see me and you don't see color then you're not going to see the fact that my experiences every single day are different from you mm-hmm. so then what about the black person that says i don't see color honestly this is my thing right just because you black don't mean you get it okay a lot of people are asleep can you say that one more time okay just because you are personal color doesn't mean you get it all skin folk and king folk okay there are some people who are so ingrained into systemic and institutional racism they do not realize how much they are agents in that system yeah black people say that personally i believe that it's not just up to white people to do their work and to educate themselves. I believe that black people have to do that as well. That includes myself. That includes you. I know like for me in doing this work, like my knowledge is like one piece of it, but I really still, there's a lot of books I have not read. There's a lot of stuff like, you know, our black history is something that's missing for me. And I'm trying to, one of the things I said for myself this year is to be more intentional about fixing that, but the education should never stop because Frankly, yeah. if you stop learning, then you might as well be dead because might as well. Impossible to ever. We are lifelong learners. Yeah, absolutely. So I just think that like the the myth that just because you're black means that you are aware is false. It's completely it, false. yeah. It's one hundred percent false, and it's false for the fact that I think about a lot about it. Sorry, I think about a lot of it with education. Um, and there's a lot of educators who believe that because they are black and they teach black and brown kids that they get the black experience. Um, but I will be 100%. Sis, you just highlighted something important. I'm going to need you to reel back <laughs> in, reel back in, and repeat that one more time. Just because you're, there's a lot of educators who feel like because they're black and they teach black kids, they get and understand the black, like their black experience. And the reason I speak to that is because I actually grew up in the Bronx, New York, in a Catholic school. Hey. I went to Catholic school all my life. My mother paid for me to go to school all of my life. This is not a brag at all. 
What I am saying is that now I currently work in a charter school, a public charter school where the kids that I work for and work with are in parts of the community that don't have families who could just pay for them to go to school, whatever, $6,000, I mean, not $6,000, but $600 a month or whatever the cost is. Like, it is more of the communities that are low, it is the low-income communities. It is the families who are on um, um, different, like, different types of services and things like that that need lots of support. So, like, there is no way that I can walk into a classroom and like, oh, I'm black and 30 of you are black. So guess what? We here. Like, don't get me wrong. There are some experiences that are shared, but I cannot nearly, I cannot sit here and say, I understand my scholar who lives in a shelter. I can't. And I have, a, I have a lot of scholars who live in shelters. I cannot say that I do, because guess what? I never lived in a shelter. I lived in a house. So because I'm black and you're black, I can't sit here and say, I understand you because you're black and I'm black. Yeah, and because we're not a, we, we're, we're not um, a, a monolith. Like we are, um, all have different experiences. I do, and, I, and backgrounds. Like I remember one of the places I worked, they like brought me into a meeting to talk about being um, the black poverty experience, and I was like, I was raised middle class. I can't. Right, like what? I don't know what it's like to live in the hood. I poverty? What? Like, like that. Another form of microaggression, right yeah, there. Yeah. There's an assumption that was made about my upbringing because of the color of my skin, mm-hmm. and also too the fact that, like, that's out of all the meetings you could bring me to, you right exactly like for real. So, like, um, all the ways you could have used my intelligence, like thanks. But another thing you brought and highlighted, which I just think is so important, is that this is why it's so hard. I think for white people to have this conversation and not feel attacked or get defensive is that a lot of white people are well-meaning and well-intentioned, especially if they are yeah, in service yeah. jobs. Yeah. Especially if they're in service jobs. That's educators, yeah. nonprofiteers, doctors, etc. I call it the do-gooder complex because if you dedicate your life to giving back and to helping people, it is much harder for those individuals to accept and have to deal with the fact that they might be racist and practicing um having like racist ideologies Mm -hmm. and the way that they're engaging these communities that they're trying to help Mm -hmm. but it's a reality because your intentions may be one thing but if the impact is harmful you gotta own that remember when we were profiled and we won't say the name of the store (laughs) i mean not that i forgot but you know like you suppress there's so many incidents that you just kind of push it to the back of your head we were uh, going to say the name of this store because we don't want no problems. No, However, it's a very famous store. and It is unfortunate. We were about to spend, like, the basically, let's just put it this way. The bill was racking up close to $500. Before, before you get there, before yeah. you get to the bill, the cart, there yeah. was, like, two carts filled with lots of things. Uh, like, I mean, like, lots of things. So yes. that's that was, like, the first, like, at least for the person, the white person, that might've been the first indicator of like, what's going on here? The cart, with two carts filled with multiple stuff. And then what you're saying. Yep. And then when the bill started getting close to that $500 mark, all of a sudden a manager was called. Before any cards was pulled out, before any cash was pulled out, before any money exchange happened. Next thing you know, police was called and they thinking this and that and it's a whole situation, but basically that moment, they didn't know I was Haitian and you were, you know, Trinidadian. We were just two black women spending a lot of money. And apparently that's, you know, problematic because we must be yeah. <laughs> that was That was, honestly, I forgot, like not forgot, but like that was just so far in the back of my mind that like, what now you say it, I'm triggered. So I'm low key triggered again. I'm like, <laughs> Because I remember, like, really getting upset. And, like, yeah. I don't know. Who, it Ooh, may, that was it the thing. You? Um, was it you? Somebody, it was either you or me in my internal dialogue telling me, like, calm down. It was the same time, like, one of those racial incidents happened. I can't remember whose life it was. It might mm. have been Eric Garner. I can't remember. I just, yeah. I just remember it was around one of those situations. And I said to you, yo, we cannot get rowdy. We cannot get upset because we have to make it out of here alive. And I yeah. remember um, 
they wouldn't give you, like they had asked for your ID. They wouldn't give you back your ID. So I had to leave you to go get help from a friend to like figure out the situation. And when I came back, there was mad cops there. And basically the manager of the store said that we were loud, rowdy, causing a scene and a threat to their store when we never lost our call ever because of what had happened the ah, week of. Yeah, All we- I know is that store is a chain and I cannot walk in any of them. Like, oh, I absolutely not. I know. They sending me emails. I'd be like, this so. one, I'm just done. I'm done with the entire chain. One and done. One <laughs> and done. Like, I was like, so no. I'd be like, yeah. So, so, I mean, we share that story and we're laughing, but part of the thing that sometimes we also do as black people is we laugh through our pain because we go, I think that's the number, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh right now, but like, I love us. We do. We I do. love us for that. Honestly, that's, the, that's one of our coping mechanisms because it is. If that's the case. You'll be sad and depressed all the time. And that's, Oh not, my God. Yeah. Yeah. For real. For real. So, you know, we shared that story with you, but part of the, the thing is that when we talk about our experiences, please validate, empathize with what we're saying. Like you, it doesn't need to be your experience. You, cause I will never know what it's like to be a black man. I will never know what it's like to be a man yeah. ever. But when a man tells me about his experience, it is my job to just sit there and listen and validate and empathize with them because and vice versa and exactly because that's their lived experience and it's not my job to tell you that's not your experience because i have no way of knowing that and for when you get called out for offending even if that wasn't your intent please please own it and take accountability you because i believe in the same I don't know what I don't know, right? Because everybody, nobody, we don't know all things. However, once you become knowledgeable, you are then accountable to that knowledge. When you know better, you do better. Simple. And then I would say for black people, we got to one, the same with white people, we all got to educate ourselves. We said that earlier, but going to say it again. Educate ourselves. Yeah, educate. There's a lot but you of think books. you know, there's more you can know about that topic. Absolutely. Too. There's a lot of right. books out yeah. there. Let's read them. And then black people, we got to practice self-care. So right. me earlier, that was meditation. Um, for, on Sunday, it's church. Like, it's talking to my girlfriends and my other friends. Like, whatever it is that you got to do to, like, escape, do something. And then, like, we, um, one of the things we can do is, like, share some links. Yeah, 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 yeah. And white people, um, I have some resources available um and i'm pretty sure resources for pe- for white people who want to know how to be a better ally and how yeah, and start educating themselves i know like for some white people it's like where do i start where do i begin and it's There's like so many ways one of the ways that like and this goes for everybody is donate donate yes donate is the, donate is like the to me like the first easiest yeah way that you can start of course you still need to learn the history but like if you want to know what can i do right now to me the two things are donating and then sharing as in like finding ways to amplify black voices through your social media and whatever platforms you have like at this time at this day and age everybody almost everybody has social media so if most of your followers as a white person i'm going to i don't want to assume but like most of your followers are white the way you can help support the black community is by amplifying our voices through your page so not just your black square and put that up there because that's not enough not just your black square but posting the pages that you've donated to maybe speaking on your instagram facebook to talk about certain things or where you stand on the topic so that if someone dms you with a different opinion you can be like actually no this is what it is here's or this is what i believe and why so like use your platform is one and then also donating will be helpful too yeah and then i'm creating um spaces to have these dialogues is really important as well yeah. and like engaging in these conversations listening and the thing too is like when it, uh, listening to the experiences of black people and giving them the space to just like talk and black people also for you creating that space for yourselves to be able to talk amongst yourselves and each other i mean some um reading and like like we said donate there's the um um black lives matter the naacp and um just just different things out there to donate to and we can also share a link of that in the description box yeah, below um yeah. but also like yeah so i mean engage in these conversations educate yourselves um donating to the cause some people protest some people um 
you know some people like, are um social media protesters yeah, I'm gonna, i was gonna say that too um some people are so and it's okay i want to say this it is okay to be a social media protester don't feel like don't feel bad about not being out on the streets um, whatever works yeah. for you is what you got to do but the thing right. is you just gotta just do, do something, something. Yeah. like and you, I, Sitting yeah. around and being like, oh, I feel... Because that's the other thing, too. It's like, don't feel guilty because guilt is a useless emotion. If this is really not about to be <laughs> and yeah. being activated. Right, so right. Do something. Right, exactly. And, like, for... um, So, what Esther was saying, if you are... um a white like person or ally who is listening like in terms of like hearing the experience of um a black person it's okay to not say anything in terms of what i mean not say anything i mean don't feel you have to have the answer to soothe that black person's feeling in the moment like oh it's okay i understand or i'm no like it's okay to just kind of like Listen and take it in. To listen and take it in. It's like it's okay to have that awkward silence. Like if anything is more awkward for you than it is for us anyway just saying but it is like don't feel the need to have to say anything like just the ways that we mentioned are the ways that you can be supportive and like although you may never understand this type of ex um experience and this pain and this trauma um the the goal here is that you stand with us and there's one thing that i've been hearing a lot that i just want to point out it's not black against white yes it's not black against white it is injustice versus justice mm -hmm. those people who are on the team of justice team justice and the people who are on the team of injustice because that is what about no you're right because it's not about calling out people it's about um it's about calling, calling out the problem, problem and calling the problem in to solve right. the problem right Systemic racism, institutional racism, is not something that we created. It was created way before our times. However, right. it is our responsibility to work together to fix that. Just like we did not create air pollution. Right, but we should. But we can't just ignore it and be like, oh, yeah. we can't be like, oh, it's not my problem. No, like, no. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Solve it. And the thing, too, is this is also important, is that part of this work is not to get all of us think the same. So do not think that the goal is to get all of us think the same. We know That's we think different. We have different backgrounds, perspectives, upbringing. Me and Carrie um, don't think the same. We are mm -hmm. each our own individual people. However, it's how do we take these different perspectives, backgrounds, and work together to be able to solve problems. Problems, so, yeah, yeah. We said a lot today, we did. but honestly, it was necessary and it was just a, it's an important conversation and we're using yeah. our platform to highlight this topic. So that's one of the ways that we're taking action steps is by, you know, using our platforms to uplift mm -hmm. the experiences of black women in this country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by no means is this conversation the only conversation to be had. Nope. This is honestly just the start. And we found it very important as Black women um, to address this um, issue in America. Um, but this is only the beginning. And like, essentially, the whole purpose is just to get the conversation started. Because for some people, it hasn't started yet. And we just want to begin the dialogue around Black Lives Matter, around um, things that we're talking about with um, what it means to be a Black woman in America and things like that. Um, so this is just scratching the surface. This is not even the deep end at all. We, we you know, obviously we're the deep dive and we're going to always go deep. Um, and in what we talked about, we went deep, but not deep enough to solve the problem. So just know that this is the beginning. And the goal here is that you leave this conversation wanting to continue the conversation with people around you, with people who are different from you, with um, whoever, so that we can like make the world a better place and fight against the problem of injustice. Absolutely. So we yes. thank you for watching or listening and please share with us your perspectives, your insight, because this is just yeah. our too low perspective in the world, but we would love to hear from you as well. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.